This show is part of the RetroZap.com podcast network. Welcome back to another episode of Previously on Lost. This is episode number 29, and found. That's right, we were talking about the episode dot 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 and found. And I am Mike, and thanks for joining us again. And I have with me Steven. What's going on, man? Not a whole lot. Just uh, trying to find my way to the podcast here. Trying to find you. <laughs> Steven, are you tired tonight? <laughs> Talk to guys. You found yourself. <laughs> dot, 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 dot. <laughs> and that other person you heard was Corey. What's up, man? Dot, dot, dot. Not much. I'm doing good. I'm good. Good. <laughs> How are you, Mike? I'm doing well, man. I'm doing well. Just okay. uh, living life, living the dream. So can't, can't complain. Can't complain like a couple other people on um, the island son complaining she lost her ring but we'll get into all that in just a little bit uh we don't really have any network or show announcements we're just going to keep on going um so here we go this is the episode and found they have been on the island for 47 days while walking the beach with claire i'm um, walking the beach claire finds the message in the bottle from the rafts uh, this is previously on Law. Sawyer, Michael, and Jen are pushed into a pit by a hostile group of strangers. Ana Lucia is pushed in after them and explains that she was in the rear of Flight 815. She attacks Sawyer, takes his gun, and signals her other companion to pull her out. Sometime later, these three are released and meet the rest of the tail section survivors. And a woman named Libby tells Michael there were 23 survivors from, survivors from the flight uh, on their part of the plane. The group hikes to a structure where the tail section survivors had been living, and Michael has stunned to realize the 23 original survivors have been reduced to five. Dum, dum, dum. Five. That's not good. That's pretty low. Uh, yeah. And speaking of five, this is episode five of season two, and it aired on October 19th, 2005. Uh, it was directed by Stephen Williams. And it was written by Carlton Cuse and Damon Lindelof. Hey, the two showrunners right there. There you go. Uh, surprising. And uh, in this episode, the tail section survivors, a.k.a. the tailies, trek uh, back and forth or back to the southern beaches of the island, but encounter trouble as Michael sets off by himself to find Walt. Walt! Walt! Meanwhile, back at the main camp... Sun is heartbroken as she realizes that she has lost her wedding ring. All right. I got some episode facts. Um, this is the first Sun and Jen flashback to show both of their point of views. House of the Rising Sun previously had centered around Sun, while dot, dot, dot in translation showed Jen's point of view. Um, every further episode centering on them would have flashes from either Sun only or Sun and Jen. This episode marks the first appearance of Tony Lee, who plays Jai Lee, June Kyoku Lu, who plays Mrs. Pike, 
and Tomiko Oki Lee, who plays Mrs. Lee. Man, I, Steven with the names rolling right off the tongue. I, I apologize to any of these actors or actresses if I mispronounced there, but um. <laughs> it sounded sounded great to me. Sounded great. You're the name MVP. I, to, actor Tony Lee plays Jai Lee. I know that's kind of a. I, I assume Lee is a pretty common name though for South Koreans. So. Um, additionally, Goodwin Stanhope makes his first appearance, albeit only seen as a partially decomposed <laughs> corpse in the episode. Now, I don't know about you guys. I was trying to figure out, was that actually him? Was that actually the actor? I, I couldn't get a good view of his face when I rewatched it. Did, did, do you guys think that was the same I, actor? It did look like him. It did. It that, was, did. that was a good look for him. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> it's, yeah. yeah. Interesting. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, last fact is the the Seoul Gateway Hotel featured in this episode was actually the Royal Garden at Waikiki in Honolulu. All right. Uh, nice, nice hotel there. Yeah, it, it's know. interesting. Uh, once you like watch a little behind the scenes and realize where they film these in Hawaii, like how they use different places in Hawaii. Three of them are, are used over and over again. Like this little, the little spot along the river that we see basically is is in a lot of the Sun and Jin flashbacks. This like little spot in in Seoul, I guess, that happens to be where all the major events in Sun and Jin's life, uh, or some of them, seem to occur. Yep, 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 yep. I think I remember seeing this hotel on the show Hawaii Five O. I don't Probably. remember. I mean, I was a pretty, pretty big fan of that show, so I'm wondering if I saw that somewhere along there. But I, th- I thought I could have sworn I did, which obviously they film in, you know, Waikiki. And, so, and Jen, Jen was in that show, correct? Maybe, maybe he oh, suggested yeah. that. Yeah. Well, so, I think they. So was Hurley. Yeah, I, th- <laughs> I think they use a lot of the same uh, crew because it's it's ABC, and I think a, a lot of the same crew from Lost just they stayed living there. And they they jumped aboard Hawaii Five O. So you would assume maybe the location scout, whoever that is, might have been the same person who was the location scout for Lost. And they were like, "Oh, I know a spot. We used it for this episode." That's that's yeah. my personal theory. Maybe maybe not I true. That's cool. I th- I think that I think that would that would kind of mesh well. Mesh well. All right, let's talk about it, guys. Let's talk about this uh, this episode. So, um, what do you guys got? Well, we could perhaps start with the the flashback. Um, All right. Maybe on Sun's End, um, where she meets Jai Lee, who we will see later on. It, mm-hmm. You know, has another role in in, in her pre-island life. Um, the kind of a just an interesting chain of events there. You know, her mom's wanting to set her up. You know, through a matchmaker. She meets this guy, and that you, you know, at first, you know, you don't think they're gonna click, but then they do, but not exactly in the way that uh, that she thought they were clicking. Kind of a a rough scene there when she finds out that, you know, she's just a cover for him to uh, go marry an American um, who he met at Harvard. Um, we also learned, I thought, interesting in there that uh, Son had. Uh, has an art history degree. I didn't remember that. 
Um, not sure if that has any, you know, further meaning. Just thought that was an interesting thing. Yeah, that that art history, I think it actually does come into play later on. That little that little snippet. I can't remember how, but I think yeah, I, I think I, it does. That plays into something later on. I can't remember remember how. It's it's interesting how both of these characters, Sun and Jin, are really trying to leave behind parts of their their family, their family legacy and what maybe they were brought up to become. And, you know, it's, it's funny how Jin, he seemingly has the, the least amount of opportunity growing up in a fishing village and being, you know, the son of a fisherman. Uh, yet his dad encourages him to do whatever. And where son's parents, you know, she's rich. She really could do whatever the heck she wants. And they have a very specific plan for what they want out of son. And, you know, the, the art degree is just one of the, the signs that she really doesn't want to follow down the Pike uh, legacy. Yeah, go ahead. I was going to say later, you know, she does in, in season four or five, whenever she's, she kind of takes over parts of the business. I feel like the art thing comes back into play at some point in one of the, the flash forwards or, you know, the, the future timeline 2007 timeline or whatever yeah i i I liked this this these these flashbacks because what it did is is kind of like i said it showed two different types it showed two different worlds it showed you son who was trying to get out of a world that she did not want to be a part of and and that was you know like her mom even said you know we we let you have your four years in college you know to get your art degree or whatever you know, we, 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 in other words, we let you get that out of your system. Now you, you've got to roll into our business. And she's trying to get out of the world. She doesn't want to. Of course, we know that Jai Lee eventually will help her um, teach her English to try to get her to, you know, get her, get her out of there. Um, but then we also see Jen, who has absolutely nothing. I mean, he... He's living, which I wish we could have got more time with his roommate. His roommate seemed like he'd be a funny guy. Um, so we, he's he's in there and and he's leaving the 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 tag on his tie to try to, you know, take take it back when he was done because you know nobody out there has ever done that. And um, and he gets there and the guy doing the interview pretty much knows you're a fisherman. You you you're coming from a fishing village. And he tears the tag off. He looks at him and says, you, you got the job. And only one thing, you can't let in anybody like you. And he's just – he's trying to make it to where Son is, to make the money to work hard. Um, it's just so polarizing to see two completely different directions. It To me, it, it was kind of odd. The, the way that this – the hotel owner treated him, I was actually surprised – wondering why he did hire him was he just convinced he was going to be a a good worker um did he feel bad that he wasn't going to be able to take that expensive tie back if he didn't give him the job (laughs) it was (laughs) but it was it was just i mean it was it was you know hard see you know seeing jen being treated that way but then he gives him the job and yeah I i thought that was you know kind of an odd thing to figure out why did he 
make him the first thing people see when you come to your hotel if you have such a low opinion of the guy. Well, I, I think he sees a genuine drive in Jin, and there's a uh, a compassion that he has. And I think what he is referring to when he says he can tell he's from a fishing village, and he, you know, he says, I can smell the fish on you, which I think is obviously a lie. I think what he's trying to say is I can tell by the way you talk, by the way you present yourself, your values that you uh, expose, th- those are not as common in the city. It's probably more of a a bloodthirsty, you know, competitive uh, lifestyle. Um, and I think that, you know, he sees something in Jin, but he wants to make sure Jin knows, like, hey, this isn't, uh, you, you can't get too locked in on your ideals and, and your your values of, of people like here. It's very it's very specific. Like we we really don't care at all about the poor people. We don't care at all about people who are dirty and they're like you. You know, you don't let them in. Not in not into our world. And I think he gives he gives them a chance here because because Jen does seem like he'd be a good worker. And you know, he seems to have an interesting story where you know he was a waiter or he was a busboy at some fancy place and got moved up to a waiter, uh, which seems like it might be a better job than this hotel job. Uh, uh, apparently not. Apparently this, this doorman job is a, is a good job. Uh, he's just, he's just not allowed to ask for time off or vacation or anything like that. Oh, <laughs> uh, anything else about the flashback? Um, I, I think it, this was, it would, it was kind of a fun little game they played the whole episode. You know, the whole time they keep having Sun just barely miss Jen. You know, she she walks through the door when when he's not looking. Um, you know, Jai Lee takes the the flower from him to go give to Sun on you know their their possible date. There, it's kind of a fun you know back and forth. Is this how they meet? Where are they gonna meet? And then the the fun little twist at the end, which tied into the the roommate who you already mentioned, you know that the love is orange, and you know he's looking at this you know lady wearing orange, and then that causes him to bump into sun, not at all wearing <laughs> orange. So kind yeah. of a fun, just kind of a fun little way to tie all, tie these flashbacks all together. I th- I thought that was a pretty well done. I yeah. like the I like the 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 little little world concept of that that they just miss each other like all the time you know i i i think i relate it to like my own life where a few years back when when i lived in alabama and i was a youth pastor down there they the teenagers that were there competed in a competition that just like four years ago, when I was at the very same competition, I never knew they were there, but I probably passed right by them multiple times. And then yet now I'm here in front of them, this very same ones. And it's it's it, it's interesting to, to see that small world concept, and I think that that's what it is. And it's fascinating to think that how many times have people passed one another and never realized it, but yet – you know, they were there. Hey, for all we know, I could have been, you know, I was out West a few years back. I could have passed one of y'all without even realizing it. Yeah, I mean, right Steven, my mom lives in Missouri. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, she could have passed. Yeah. I mean, it's a small world concept and it's so fascinating. 
Absolutely. And, and lost, you know, plays with this throughout the entire series. I mean, that you know, that's yeah. we see it time after time again in the flashbacks, just how often these people cross paths and how their lives are all intertwined. Um, yeah, just it brings a lot to the story. Yeah, I think they did a pretty good job with these flashbacks. Uh, the the thing you could could uh, not criticize, but be wary of is you're trying to have two characters be showcased in one flashback. And what's different about this Sun and Jin episode, as we mentioned earlier, is instead of having it be one story about both of them, it's two separate stories. So really, you're having one flashback that's split fifty you percent know, for each character. And I think they do a pretty good job of giving us yeah. a little bit of each of them, you know, before they met each other and what their what they were like. And what what is really, I think, what I think they pull off best is they show how much each character really needed the other one, how they they were missing something. And, you know, Jin, especially, he's really striving for that relationship to give him. Uh, some purpose because he doesn't really seem to have that much purpose. You know, he's, he's driven to have a better life, but he doesn't really, you know, the other guy says, Oh, you need to figure out your life first and then find love. Well, it, it really doesn't work that way for Jen as it, you know, for most people, I don't think it works exactly like that. And he's able to, uh, you know, he meets her by happenstance and that kind of drives his life afterwards Whereas his son, it's a little different. You know, she has, you know, all the riches she could desire, but she also doesn't really have uh, this uh, genuine relationship with other people. It seems like she, you know, she clearly gets hurt and angry at uh, what's his name again? The Jai Lee, Lee because she thinks she's building something genuine with with him. And she's, she's so used to people being fake and and kind of lying and deceiving and here she feels like she has a genuine connection and relationship building and it's it's all a farce that he's he's building up to just get his parents off his back while he stalls before he runs away to america and so i think that really disheartens her and of course this kind of is it foreshadowing or is it back shadowing i don't know it, it relates back <laughs> to to son's idea of leaving Jin and going to america to start a new life so it's it's a thread to their story and then of course Jin also has that idea at one point to escape the two of them in in the u.s yeah okay anything else on the flashbacks before we move to the island all right so let's move to the. You want to talk about the uh, the main group or the Tailies first? Let's talk about the Tailies. I think this is Tailies. The, the Tailies, even though they're they're not the main our main survivors, they feel more like the main group of this episode, at least. Or it seems like there's more important stuff going on. No offense to Sun and her wedding ring, but <laughs> it's, we're we're learning. We're learning so much more, you know, as as a viewer, this is the first time we're hearing these stories from from the Tailies and they're referencing how they had 23 people and they're now there's only five. And 
there's some there's some really cool foreshadowing and some interesting tidbits about how awesome or how terror ter- uh, terrifying the others are you know they don't leave tracks uh they aren't going to be found unless they want to be found like there's there's no point of looking for the others you can't you can't find the others they find you and that's it uh and so and also i would say this is like the Mr. Echo coming out party, at least a little bit. You know, this is meet Mr. Echo. We finally get some some one-on-one time with this character, and we get a little bit of information about him. He's still keeping his cards pretty close to the chest. He doesn't He doesn't even say he's... He almost says he's a priest, but he doesn't really say it. He, he makes... He references something that he's... What, what Jin says, something about being married and having a wife. And... Uh, what is what does Echo say? He says, "No, I don't have a wife. It's worse." <laughs> See, I I actually stopped and rewound that about four times trying to hear what he said, and I I couldn't hear what he what he said. Is that did anybody? I I should have turned on subtitles. Oh, I watch but, everything with subtitles now, regardless. What, do we know what did he say? Because because he says worse. Yeah, wor- worse. Is, that's, yeah. I was. It kind of sounded like that, but it didn't seem right. Is that what he? Yeah. Worse. Yeah. <laughs> I, I had the subtitles on too. I don't always use subtitles, but if I've already seen it, I will use it. Then I might catch something, <laughs> something else. Yeah. Um, I, I think it's really interesting. I mean, Mick, Mr. Echo is definitely possibly my favorite character in the whole show. And we see him in the future. Just he's not really afraid of anything. He's lived a heck of a life. But to see that even this huge guy who can take a take a punch from Jen and doesn't even phase him is is scared of these others. You know, it, it's it's interesting to see this intimidating character just you know being afraid of the others, and we'll, we'll learn in the future why. Um, I thought it was interesting how Libby, you know, dropped in that trust issues comment to Michael um, right around the time we 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 see the literal trust issues impaled in the jungle from Goodwin. I <laughs> <laughs> thought that was kind of a fun fact that we, we you know, that was the same episode that we'll learn. Yeah. And, and we get so many layers of that story and that death later on. You know, we get more in season three about. Uh, Juliet's version of of it and Ben the, the, when they find the corpse uh, together. Yeah, li- with little did we know how important that impaled corpse would be in the <laughs> in the course of the show. Dang, thanks, Anna Lucia. <laughs> yeah, I think that this this episode it's it's delivered. It's it, well, let me just say this for me, it was hard to separate the information being presented from what I already know, because I so vividly know the backstory of the Tailies uh, because of the fantastic episode, the other 48 days, which we'll talk about um, in a few weeks. Uh, it's, it's hard for me to separate, separate all these little uh, um, hints in, in the dialogue, like Libby saying, you know, we have trust issues, we have this and the stuff that echo says, but it is really, it's really interesting. I, I was trying to think like, if I had never seen anything else other than this episode, you know, up to this point, how would I take that information? And, you know, it's, it's definitely very intimidating. 
Yeah, I am. I. I'm trying to figure out how to put this because this is kind of where the story kind of breaks down a lot for me. Um, I was not. I enjoyed the progress and the story they were making, but I didn't feel like it was very deep. I felt it was very surface level. Um, and, and, and I understand it. I know we're going to get more depth to that story later on. I I understand that. But right now it was just, it just felt very surface level. Um, you know, there were, there were moments in that backstory, um, that, that I, that I enjoyed, like I enjoyed Anna Lucia trying to make fun of Jen (laughs) while he was trying, trying to fish. You want to eat, you got to fish and Jen is just like, whatever. And just, she's like, I got it. And, and, uh, you know, of course you said good win. And, um, we had, you know, echo and Jen, by the way, I I love this together. I love them together. I wish we got more echo and Jen together. Yeah, I don't know if we ever get much of them together no. again. Really. I don't think we ever get those two just by themselves again. But it was, it was. I think they bounced off of each other very well because you, you know, y'all had mentioned earlier how Echo took a punch from Jin and got right back up, but Jin took a heck of a hit from Echo <laughs> and got right back in Echo's face and like, yep. come on, man, bring it. You may be bigger than me, but bring it. And I'm sitting here thinking, this is actually it, and it showed Echo. It gave Echo respect for Jin. That Jin wasn't just going to back down, and uh, I think that's why he kind of moved out of the way and said, "All right, go ahead and go find Michael." Yeah, they're, they're like uh, blood brothers after this. Absolutely, <laughs> a punch to the face, a headbutt to the face, <laughs> and not and not just let Jin go, but you know, went with him to help him. Um, yeah, you know, I think we see Miss, you know, Mister Echo, you know, kind of a man of conviction here, and. Yeah, he's not going to send this guy out on a on a losing mission. He's going to go do whatever. You know, he sees that Jen is determined to go after his friend, so he's going to do what he can to help him out. Yeah. We also learned that Mr. Echo is a tracker. Um, I don't know if, if we saw any indication of this the previous couple episodes, but uh, he did a lot of tracking this episode. Um, not sure where he learned those skills um, as a... <laughs> as a drug lord priest but uh he's he's drug a tracker lord too. priest <laughs> <laughs> interesting combination there <laughs> yeah I, I don't know where he learned that either but eventually we know that they find michael well after they they run from the others and we'll talk about that here in a second but they find michael and jen just looks at michael and says just just go Go find Walt because they they realize it's stupid to try to stop him because he's just going to keep running away again and well, again and again. Yeah, and, and and you know one could say that it makes the end the ending kind of nullifies some of the the whole point of Jin running after him. If you're just going to let him go, what the heck was the point of of tracking him down? But I I do think this was a really good conversation and I I enjoyed this. I think sometimes. Uh, Michael, as a character, he doesn't get enough uh, f- focus in this season. Like, he, I mean, he has a lot of story, but they don't give him a lot of time to have good conversations. Sometimes he's just erratic, understandably. But this was a good – he actually was able to explain himself. And it was – I felt very empathetic of, like, this – of his pain without his son and and basically saying like, I don't care if they take me, I don't care if they capture me. I don't care if they kill me. 
I need to get my son and I, and I'm, I'm willing to die trying. And the way he, he spelled it out, uh, to, to echo and to Jin, obviously Jin understood it enough and could see the look in his eyes. Like, I can't stop this guy. Like I tried to, to help to get him to come back with us. And yeah, he could have argued like, Hey, we'll go get Jack. We'll go get the guns. And then we'll come and do it again. But but Jin understood. There's there's no stopping Mike. He's gonna go insane if they hike all the way back to the beach and then have to come. He'll lose his mind thinking, what if I just let my son die by not trying? So yeah, I, th- I thought that was a really good moment. And I thought it was a good uh, discussion with Michael to actually get some some back and forth to really understand his emotions instead of just him yelling, Walt. We actually got to hear him explain more of his feelings. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm trying to think of anything else. So we had the first other spotting <laughs> with them laying down and then them walking through the jungle very quietly with no shoes on. And then you have the duct taped teddy bear sitting there and, or being dragged. Which you, what did you, all right, when you guys first saw this show, what did you think when you saw that? I definitely thought that this was a good scene, um, you know, kind of definitely based on what we know at this point about the others, that was a good little tease about the others. But looking back on it, based on what we know later about the others, why were they dressed like this? You know, we know that there is only in certain situations that they that they dressed up and got dirty like this and why were they in that here when they weren't interacting with any of our people i I think that's an interesting thing but but yeah back when you watched it it was definitely a case of you know what who are these people 30 footed people walking around the jungle well i found it very creepy i remember that i thought it was very off-putting and if I, I genuinely felt frightened when I first saw this, like these people are messed up, like they could be, you know, crazy killers and just like weird uh, jungle people. And uh, yeah, I, I think that they they put the put the the others in this situation. And then later on, we see so much of the others in, uh, you know, New Otherton, as as uh, Sawyer later later uh, dubs it. And they live, you know, a very normal kind of Western civilized life. But there's also a bunch of flashbacks that show the others, like when they're out with with Halpert and when uh, especially like the temple, the temple others. There, There is there's like multiple communities of others, you know, and some of them have this more ragged look and they're they're barefoot, I think. I think when they're in a protected little society, that's when they they live um, kind of a, a regular, more civilized life. And when they're out in the jungle and they're more likely to encounter other people, this is like their, I don't know, their, their natural other uh, go-to, you know, f- form. Because even, we, we do see even in some, I think a couple flashbacks, like Juliet at a time, she was barefoot and walking around and she like, sometimes they do this. I think this is just 
I don't know. Is this is this is like what the others are trained to be able to do, and then once you once you learn how to do it, like okay, now you can have your little house and you can uh, bake brownies and throw a football around or whatever. But but I I definitely think there is a weird, uh, t- you know, it's like a coin with two sides for the others, where you have kind of one narrative and then you have another narrative, and sometimes it seems like there's there's a contradiction, but I think there's enough there that it, that it does add up. These these particular this particular group though, if you think about it, so you have the you know the kids are there, and the kids are are the ones that later are with Cindy and Cindy, the, the flight attendant, she is still with the Tailies, correct? Or has she been taken? Yes. She's still still with the the Tailies right now. For now, I think next episode or the following one, I think she gets taken. And so she ends up, uh, she ends up being taken and she ends up taking care of the children. And eventually, yeah, eventually she ends up at the, temple in season six and that's when we we see her again i think we see her again at some other point maybe you know at at the beach place we see her in uh one of the best episodes of the series stranger in a strange land when she visits (laughs) jack in the cages yeah that's right oh okay uh did it ever occur that any of those people walking through the jungle uh, could have been Rose and Bernard. I'm just, you know, just question. <laughs> uh, no, because I think we know where they're at. I think Bernard is, <laughs> is with, uh, with the other Tailies. He, 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 he's out for a pee break real quick. Hey, I, I, hang on, guys. I got to change my other's clothes. Oh, okay. And I, right. I was going to say a little bit, uh, a little bit more about, uh, Jin and Echo. I think that this is a great pairing. And when you when you talk about the other Tailies, I think Mike, you were referencing some frustration with the lack of information, and they're kind of you know you, you're finding a way to to avoid any sort of actual conversation about what happened to them. Which, from a viewer or the the writer's perspective. They're trying to delay that information so we can see it ourselves in a later episode that has right. the full flashback. Uh, but when but when you're when you're looking at it from Sawyer's point of view, it's extremely frustrating. You're like, what the heck? Like why like why is Ann Lucia just such a jerk and she can't even stop and give them a lowdown of like, hey, the reason we're freaked out is because they captured and killed a bunch of people. That you know, she could give the 30 second story. But then it would ruin the flashback. So that part is a little frustrating, I think, as a viewer. But when it, go, going back to Echo and Jin, what makes it work really well between these two, and it adds another layer of mystery, is obviously they can only speak to each other in so much in, in kind of in broken English because Jin, you know, doesn't really speak much English at all. So Echo is able to give these these really cryptic answers. Because he can only, because Jin can only understand a few basic words, and so that's why things like when he's talking, kind of references being a priest. When they come across Goodwin's body, uh, and he, he can't really explain the whole thing to others. And when when they are talking about the everything Echo says is very simple and basic because he can't communicate anything. Communicate anything. But it's also extremely mysterious to to us 
And yeah. I, I think it works well in that case. But when it comes to the other the other parts with like Libby not really saying much, it it is definitely a little frustrating. It feels like the, the story's not going anywhere. Yeah. Which again, you know, looking back at this from uh, 2020, you're like, wow, you had a season with what, 25 episodes and you and you strung the story out that long. That That is hard to do. So sometimes episodes feel a little more like a filler because, you know, nobody in, in today's age would take the same stuff that happened in season two and, and make it be 25. Epi- it would be 10 episodes now. But yeah. I think we get a lot of the the brilliance of Lost because it is a lot. Oh, they're longer seasons. I I absolutely agree. As I I definitely find myself drawn more to the first three seasons of Lost than the last three because I I did enjoy the longer seasons. I did enjoy the not rushed pace of you know the first two and a half seasons or so. Um, that I, yeah, I don't think you get when you have to, you know, like season four had some good stuff, but to me, you know, they really had to cram it in there. Um, where, uh, you know, a 24, 25 episode season would have provided them time to tell a little bit more story there. Yeah. And and that's a great segue to talking about the, uh, the survivors camp, because basically I feel like this whole story with son in the ring and you know discussing it with several different characters if it was a more condensed season none of this story would have ever happened this would have been immediately cut yeah it felt it felt very filler to me like i would have much rather had more time with the taylors with the tailies than 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 the regular survivors um you know i i yeah i i (laughs) it was cool to see hurley waiting with son for vincent to poop (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it, was, it was it was funny to see that but to me the, the the best thing was Locke's conversation with son and the entire survivor thing you know where where she's ripping up the garden and she and he pretty much walks up and says having a bad day <laughs> and then they just start this conversation and he said you just have to stop looking and things find you find you and sure enough, when she did, guess what? Oh, she found her wedding ring in the sand, the same place she buried the bottle. So it just it just felt very filler to me. Yeah, and, I, I, I I totally understand that that uh, that opinion, and it, it it is. But I do think there's some fun moments in here that I appreciate having. That you know are are, are cool to see these characters interact in a less uh, dramatic. Um, sequence you know having having uh, jack just talk to son and there's no crisis going on it's and then you kind of see casual jack and then having Locke, you know Locke's going to come in and give give this great advice of course and it, it's just, it's kind of fun seeing these characters in a in a situation that's not life or death it's just you know kind of regular island life what do you I, think, Stephen? I, I couldn't agree more. I, I really like the scene with Son and Jack. I, I feel like this is one of the most likable Jack scenes of the whole show. It's just, um, you know, Jack just having a conversation. You're, you're right. He's not he's not being a doctor. He's not having to fix anything. I thought it was kind of funny how he suggested or how he said that, you know, he never did find it. He just 
bought a new ring. Not sure how helpful that is on the island where there aren't a lot of jewelry stores. Good so strategy there. It wasn't the most helpful conversation, but it, yeah, it was just Jack being a likable friend, offering to help if he could. Um, I think what you, I think you kind of hit it right on the head as far as fun character conversations, moments. I mean, when it came down to it at the end, the, the writers said that this was a show about the characters. It wasn't about the mysteries. And I think it's episodes, you know, like this where we, we just get some good characters and we learn more about who these characters are. You know, that's why everybody loves the, the Dharma van episode. It's just the characters getting a chance to be characters and it's it's not just you know it's not just it doesn't always have to be forward momentum story plot um sometimes it's good to just let the characters you know sun interacted with what four or five different people it it was all you know entertaining story yeah hey that was my favorite episode steven what are you trying to say I love it too. And I was saying that's one of the one of the best. It I mean, everybody zero, loves it. Has zero, it has zero storyline movement in that episode, but it is such a great episode, and it will probably be twenty three out of twenty three for me already. I don't even know what's gonna be twenty three out of twenty three. No, yeah, it's it's a great episode, but it, interesting. If you go if you go try to find some old reviews of that episode when it first air aired, people were very frustrated with that episode. Or some some people because like the story doesn't move along at all. Right. And that was in the middle of season three when there's all these controversies about uh, there being a rerun on instead of a new episode, and there's no announcement that it's not a new episode, and there's all this confusion. I think that was the height of lost confusion, and you lost a lot of fans during that period. Yeah. But we're talking about season two, so. That's right. Uh, I I do have to say, just looking at at the time we're in now when Locke offered son, the old dirty, the old handkerchief out of his pocket, come on Locke. living, living in our coronavirus <laughs> world COVID-19 right now. Dang that, it. <laughs> that, that scene was just troubling. I just, you know, sometimes you forget that, you know, there was a time before coronavirus where you could just hand somebody an old handkerchief out of your pocket. Okay. He said it was clean. It, it looks very clean actually. Uh, where does oh I guess you know I guess he does have the washer and dryer. Do have a washing. I, I was right. thinking if you just washed it in the ocean, but yeah I guess I forgot look, about the old. Look, I'm gonna be honest. The first thing if I had, if I was on an island <clears throat> for like 45 days and I finally had a washer and dryer, the first thing I would wash would be my underclothes. I'm just saying. <laughs> After 45 days, the same pair. I'm just going to be honest, guys. And, and this, the, the handkerchief is definitely a – it's like the sleeve of a flannel. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was good. Uh, anything else about this episode? Um, I One little um, part of it, back to the, the tail section um, storyline I thought was kind of fun, was the, again with the Michael conversation – uh, with Michael and Libby, where she, you know, she talked about his friends, and you know, Michael kind of chuckled, said, "Yeah, I never, never thought of them like that. I, I guess one of them's my friend." So I just thought that was kind of a, a fun, you know, Michael's been kind of struggling with where he stands with, with Sawyer, you know, from everything that happened floating out in the the water. But 
you know, the, these three have been thrown together, Michael, Jen, and Sawyer, in a in a way that that definitely is going to bond them. And it's just kind of funny listening to him, just you know, kind of struggle with how to how to process that. It, and yeah. it's it's still great to note that you know Sawyer and Michael were not friends for the majority of the series up to this point. You know, they were they were enemies from like the pilot. They got in a fist fight really early on and they just hated each other and there were some some race issues brought up between them and they definitely two people that um really hated each other. Maybe close to the most you know michael also really hated Locke, but you know these guys were not at all close to friends and then you know it's it's great that they became friends through building the raft and kind of both being uh ostracized for different reasons you know having issues with the rest of the group and then they built this great friendship i mean sawyer had issues with both of them as well throughout yeah uh season one and he's not he's obviously not been able to fully mend uh, you know, the bridge there, but he's, he's definitely a, in a better place with, with both of them than he may have once been. Um, yep. Yep. We also, but... we also, we also do see, uh, Sawyer's, you know, infection getting a little worse than, yeah. I like the moment where he, you know, he said it's, it's every man for himself and, and, you know, my shoulder's not looking very good here. So that, you know, he, he's, Michael's on his own as far as Sawyer's concerned. You know, this is it's fun when Sawyer has a new group of people to be around because he really brings out this level. At a certain point with Jack and Kate and everybody, you know, back in camp, he's he's already been a jerk so many times and he's been forced to show when he can be a good guy, too. So they they know him a little too well. But when Sawyer gets with a new group and they don't know Sawyer, like when Sawyer is with the tailies obviously and then when he gets captured by the others and then when he's with the dharma folks you you get to see like a new group of people getting to know sawyer which is always hilarious because people naturally seem to either love sawyer or, or hate him with a passion and they want to see him suffer and it's just fun seeing him get to play off of Anna lucia even though it's deliberately frustrating for the audience, they try to make it frustrating and they try to make you kind of hate Anna Lucia at first. And it's, it's funny to watch Sawyer. Uh, he, he really is starting to have quite the attitude with them. And it's, mm-hmm. it's fun. And he, he's got a bullet hole in his arm too. And, and there is just, you know, while they're giving each other uh you know, a hard time. There is a bit of flirtation between Sawyer and Anna Lucia, and we know that that, you know, could have some payoff down the line as well. <laughs> well, we know it'll have payoff down the line. <laughs> oh, boy, this love square between Jack and Lucia, <laughs> Kate and Sawyer is going to get. And then you throw Juliet in the mix later on. But you I, I actually think it's <laughs> sorry. I actually think it's a love triangle between Anna Lucia, Sawyer and the gun because <laughs> that's the basis of their relationship so far taking the gun and then he gets the gun back and then she wants the gun again and that uh really what makes it uh you know pretty hot and heavy later on <laughs> yep oh all right well that well, was a pretty well, i thought it was pretty go ahead you got something I, actually else? one since you brought up the love 
uh, oh uh, rectangle. The, we there is finally a reference. I wanted to talk a little bit about Kate. Kate, uh, the whole point of or the the reason that they find the ring is because Kate uh, is told about the the bottle, and they go to dig it up, and Kate furiously goes through the 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 messages. Because, you know, she admits here that she's missing Sawyer. She feels she feels bad that they didn't get to say goodbye. And she's trying to find some sort of note in there from him. And so we finally we get we get another reference to this, the Sawyer and Kate uh, relationship, the, the, you know, the ongoing love triangle, rectangle, <laughs> Pentagon, whatever. Uh, there's there's a lot, a lot of love. I kind of struggled on this story, too, to figure out what Kate was trying to find in that bottle. Um, Sawyer was on the raft. Obviously, he wouldn't have had a reason to write a note in there. I was like, did she write something? That's what I was the, thinking. And on I, the off chance I, that Sawyer would have read it, which he did read all the messages. Could she she have, knew he was going to read those letters. <laughs> so did she write something for him? Was that what she was trying to find? I, I don't know. I, I couldn't figure out Kate's motivation in the in that scene. I always thought she had wrote something and stuck it in the bottle. And then she was trying to get it back maybe before Sawyer um, had saw it or, or anybody else had read it. Honestly, I thought she was just snooping and she wanted to see if Sawyer had written anything. And then maybe get some, you know, you know, what what would Sawyer say? And maybe just to see what he wrote. I don't know. I think I think she just I thought she was trying to find a message that Sawyer may have written to someone about anything, about another woman, about maybe it mentioned Kate. I, I don't know. I, I think I don't even know if she even knows what she's looking for. She's just this is kind of frantic Kate um, trying to find something. Yeah. Okay. All right, well, there's nobody died this week, so there's no in memoriam yet. It's coming. Um, so let's start off round robin here. Uh, Steven, give me uh, 15 to 16 seconds on your overall thoughts on this episode, man. Um, I thought this was a an enjoyable uh, but not earth-shattering episode. Um, that was a good, good flashback kind of kind of fun story of how these two characters met. It, it was enjoyable. Um, I said there wasn't a lot of forward momentum throughout the show, but I thought that, you know, there was some definitely interesting stuff happening with seeing the, the feet of the others, that that was a really good defining moment for the show. So there was some good stuff here. Not, not one of the greatest episodes, but pretty solid. All right. What about you, Corey? Yeah, I, I thought this was a pretty good episode. I think that uh, the the additional time and information with the Tailies is probably the most interesting part, uh, especially Mr. Echo getting a little time with him. And it, it's fun to see Jin run off and go do something because Jin is, is often just left fishing or hanging out at the beach. So it's cool to see Jin go into action and do something. Uh, you know, we didn't we haven't had a lot of sun, so it was good to see sun interact with a lot of people, even if it's kind of a, a, a silly um, journey to find a wedding ring, but it still was informative of her character. And this, the whole episode was, did a good job of, of giving us more information on these two as individuals and then how that relates to them as a couple. So it's, it's good build up to their 
eventual reunion, which then we get a really good love story out of them after they reunite sometime this season. All Mike, right. What about you? I, I thought it was okay. And I'll tell that you, you'll tell by my rating here soon. Uh, I thought it was an okay episode. Definitely. Uh, one of the reasons why I did not like season two a ton. Um, I thought it was a very filler episode and I understand it was easier then because right now it's a binging show. Um, back then it was not a binging show. You had to wait weekly. And so almost as if to get a filler episode now, and I still feel like the way with the Arrowverse and other things to get a filler episode now is kind of like, okay, seriously, you know, and it's like, well, like what, for example, what walking dead is really can really do this really bad sometimes where those shows there's only like 16 episodes a season so it's a very small season and one or two of those episodes tend to be very filler and i'm like all right look you only have 16 episodes a season and you just you kill it with the filler man but uh again you said it was a longer season and that's true so it was different then um but uh it was okay it was an okay well, Walking Dead has whole filler seasons, actually. Oh, oh, I know. Trust me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, trust me. I know. Uh, they've got a whole. They've got a whole filler uh, spinoff show too. Multiple yeah, see, filler shows. Hey now, see, hey now. That's that season four. I'm, uh, no. I'm just kidding. No, no, I, no shade I've, on Fear the Walking I've Dead. Act- I've actually never watched Walking Dead, but I am a big fan of Fear the Walking Dead, so that, that oh, may be weird. Oh, wow. I've, I've heard good things. I've only seen, like, the first probably season and a half, so I'm I'm just kidding. I, I do like it. I've seen most of the – everything except the newest season of, of regular Walking Dead, so. Yeah. Yeah. I can't say too uh, much negative since I keep watching it. So, <laughs> so we're not going to rate this by zombies tonight, but <laughs> uh, let's do this is our rating system. So one out of twenty-three duct-taped teddy bears. So one out of twenty-three duct-taped teddy bears. Uh, see, we went with Stephen first last time. Corey, how many duct-taped teddy bears? No, who did I go with first last time? Stephen or Corey? I don't remember. I think it was. I think it was me. Yeah, okay. I, I Corey, was... how many duct tape teddy bears you give this mo- uh, this episode? All right, uh, I'm gonna go with 17 out of 23 duct taped teddy bears on a string or on a rope, on a whatever. String. It's it's hanging hanging from some Giant sort of string, right? Or it's a rubber. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyways, 17 out of 23. All right, Stephen, how about you? I gave it 18 out of 23. 18, uh, right. Teddy bears optimistic and i guess i'm gonna be the pessimist of the group i uh the lowest score i've given an episode yet 13 out of 23 duct tape teddy bears yeah, I, I, I think that's the lowest any of us have given any episode yeah again it's one of those episodes to me that if they were to take it out of the season two i never would have known like it's just one of those episodes that i just don't think there was enough to move it along to even I, I will say as we as I prepared to watch this episode, most episodes I have a really strong recollection of what the episode is about. This one I couldn't like it, it was not one that stood out to me looking back before rewatching it. The only thing that stood out to me was the teddy bear, knowing that they yeah. were going to see see the others walk by. That was it in this episode. That's I think that's the best part of the episode, most interesting part, and so. the even the flashback is like it's more for the flashback 
with that has similar parts, you know, same location and same some of the same characters. Uh, well, so my my fairly high ranking can probably be traced to my love of Mr. Echo. Um, as a echo heavy episode, so that's probably why I ranked it pretty well. Yeah, I, I like that. Plus, you know, eighteen is not as high as it seems because it's out of twenty three. You know, I think I think both Steven and I basically gave it a B, like an eighty percent ish. I gave it a high D, low C. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that area. Mike, on the other hand, he's. <laughs> It's a failing grade. <laughs> it, it, it all comes back to the the fact that the the worst episodes of Lost, which I don't think this is one of the worst, but the worst episodes of Lost are better than a vast majority of other things that are on TV. Don't yeah, worry, we'll definitely. get to expose soon. We'll get definitely. to expose one day. <laughs> We're gonna get to expose, and you're gonna be shocked by my rating. <laughs> twenty-seven out of twenty-three. He's going all in and more. It's gonna be another perfect episode. <laughs> oh boy! All right. All right. So what well, else we got here at the end, there, Corey? Yeah. So we're gonna we're gonna move on to our ending discussion here. Uh, we have Sawyer's name dictionary, which we got a few editions. Uh, Sawyer calls Jin Chewy, as in Chewbacca, and Mister Echo. He says, "Is that like Mister Ed?" <laughs> uh, <laughs> and uh, as far as a freckle count is concerned, we are still deadlocked at five. Uh, which we've been there for a little while. And uh, I have some pop culture connections here. So uh, in reference to what Locke says, we're going to talk about Buddhism. Uh, Locke tells Sun that he found, or uh, that that he found he was searching. This is, this is a tongue twister here. He found what he was searching for by not looking. Uh, So he stopped looking and he found it. This is similar to a Zen Buddhist cone. Uh, did I say that right? The, that, that states to find something, stop looking for it. Which then Sun literally stops looking and she finds it. It's, it's very, you know, you know, right on the nailed it there, you know, right on the head. Uh, and then Mr. Ed, when Mr. Echo introduces himself as Mr. Echo, Sawyer asks him if that's like Mr. Ed referring to the 1960s show about a talking horse, the famous Mr. Ed. Um, And Star Wars. Sawyer refers to Jin as Chewie, a character from the film franchise, uh, also known as Chewbacca, uh, because Jin cannot speak English uh, like Chewbacca. And then Peter Pan. When the others walk... uh, in procession, a child follows dragging a teddy bear, the duct tape teddy bear on a string, a rope, whatever. This is also seen in Peter Pan when the Lost Boys are captured by Native Americans. I don't remember that at all, but uh, sounds right. A teddy bear, a teddy bear, Peter Pan, that, that's, that's definitely part that's of right. the Peter Pan uh, um, mythology or Im- imagery. There's always a teddy bear involved somehow. Someone's carrying a teddy bear. Uh, and then the 1988 Summer Olympics, Hurley asks Sun if she attended the Olympics in Seoul, which I don't remember that, but that makes sense. I don't either. All right. And I, that is I, it. I, for... I, I, I do. And I yeah. will leave it at that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, next next episode, we're going to be uh, talking about Abandoned, a Shannon-centric episode. You know, that, that title sounds a little menacing, but I have a feeling this one's going to 
you know, end up all right for Shannon. I, I, I think can't it's made with a bang. Is this referring to is this referring to the writers' treatment of Shannon so far this season? Oh my, they have yeah. They've well, really they abandoned her. What she had one one scene in the in the premiere and that's it. I don't think yeah. I've seen her at all since. I mean, she, she was feeding Vincent by a fire. That's about it. Yeah, she's, she she <laughs> has been abandoned. She was standing behind Claire when she went to show the bottle to Son last episode. That's true. <laughs> Sorry, oh, Shannon. Boy. I don't think this ends well. We don't like you. We're ending you out. Oh. I think it's a. I think it's a pretty good episode, though, if I remember. It is a really good one. Uh, and, and it's one of those that with the cliffhanger at the end and then the next week they completely do like a different story and then they come back two weeks later and actually give you the actual what happened to that point. So it's it's interesting. Yeah, I think uh, I think after abandoned is the other 48 days. Yes. So you, you don't find out anything until after the other 48 days is over. So that's uh. That's interesting. Yeah, interesting. it's a good it's a good couple episodes. I think my takeaway from Abandoned every time I watch it is, hey, look, when they try with Shannon, she's a really interesting character. But now she's dead, so that it's was okay. that. She's waiting for Saeed in the church. We know. We know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, not Nadia, just Saeed. I mean, just Shannon. Oh, any other thoughts about this episode, guys, before we close it out? I think, I think no, we covered it. it. Sweetness. It. You can find us on Twitter, peoples, at RetroZapped, at Lost Rewatch Pod. I'm at the DC Fanboy. Uh, you can find Steven where? On Twitter, at Lucky13Steve. All right. And Corey, how about you? Uh, you guys can find me on Twitter, at OriginalMav. That's right. Uh, I haven't been as active lately on Twitter. I guess they're tired of just seeing negative stuff. I just abandoned Twitter for a while. And then I logged back in the other day and I said, huh, same thing. People arguing, <laughs> people fighting. I'll see y'all later. <laughs> so you ab- abandoned it again. I abandoned Twitter. Like I have like lost abandoned Shannon. Yeah, probably uh, for the best. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> you I can would... join us in, huh? <laughs> I, I would love to talk Lost. I think that would be fantastic. It's a great, it's a great thing to discuss in a in an age of, um, <laughs> oh boy, not so fun conversations. So that's, that's true. A, I enjoy distraction. It, 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 it helps take it, it does help take our mind off of what's going on out there for a while. So that's why I like it. Uh, you can uh, join us in the Discord, guys. Retrozap.com for more details. While you're there, check out some articles, posts, other podcasts, T Public Store, and anything that suits your fandom. Uh, until next time, uh, peace out, everybody. Don't get lost. Peace out. Have a good one. <laughs>